Good morning, Anchor. It's Lori, a.k.a. Loretta Child, the Sex Reporter, and co-host of the Insatiable Podcast with Smiley. We have a new episode up. It's a couple days late this week because, you know, I had a bunch of crazy things going on um, because of, you know, stuff in my personal and family life and whatnot. But it's up, and I hope you guys will give a listen. There are some Anchor recordings featured in there so you guys may want to check it out if you have answered questions related to the topic which is race and dating for those listeners who might be new to the station this is basically the station where i interact with anchor and um we have listeners call in for a chance to be featured on the podcast which you can find on itunes or google play but i'm going to link the soundcloud link for this segment so up first today are going to be some call-ins from Dewan and Only. And this first one is about something we mentioned yesterday about the crazy things that people do just to avoid being single. Hey, Lori, I just want to call in about the uh, avoiding being single. The ones, the people who, who, in, who get a thrill out of always being in a relationship. And honestly, they feel adequate in a relationship. You want to be in a healthy relationship. I think... Uh, we put too much weight into it sometimes of of being uh, booed up or whatever to the point where you're basically single <laughs> still because it's a one-sided relationship. So it's very important not to um, be in relationships just to be in it, you know, because that's a lot of your time and, and a lot of value that you're kind of instilling into someone else um, and it doesn't it almost doesn't end up uh, working in your favor. It's just another status update, marital status update change that is far too many. Yes, people, please do not stay in a relationship for the status update, which I feel like many people do. I mean, I don't think it's conscious, like people actually think that that's what they're doing, but sometimes it can feel like that. I mean, if the only point of being in a relationship is not to be alone, that takes a lot of the meaning out of being in the relationship. So I think some of us have to just ask ourselves why we want to be in relationships so badly. And when we get the answer to that question, then it'll be clearer whether we should. Okay, I I meant to get into this earlier, but I got caught up in my station. And that is um, having a consistent level of sex versus having amazing sex every so often. Yeah, um... Oh, and the longest. My longest probably was a little over an hour, maybe pushing into hour and a half. Um, but that was it was scary because it was like it felt like my stuff because it, it was still erect, but it felt like it wasn't working. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm usually this is the time, so I just oh, let's do this position, let's do that position. It was like it was like the Mario like dun, 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 dun. like I hit that star invisible. I was like, well, let's try this one, let's try this one. So yeah, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think more regular for me um, would be better. And yeah, Reggie, that's why his wife loves him, right? That's why his wife loves him. Dewan, you just sexualized the Mario star and made my fucking day. So if you're waiting for the question of the day, I have it for you now. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Tell the truth. And I think the general consensus is that women do this more than men, but I think we might be wrong about that. I think men might fake it more than women realize. But tell me your stories if you've done it or if you've discovered that a partner did it. How did you react? How does that make you feel? 
Um, do you think that if you fake an orgasm, should you ever own up to it? Or is that like a deadly mistake for whatever relationship you have? There are so many different kinds of ways that people orgasm or reach climax. There's people who are super expressive and you can't miss it. Like literally their entire body is overtaken by it. And there are people who, for whom it's so subtle that you got to ask them like, wait, did you come? And I think it's a lot harder to fake an orgasm if you're the first type of person because you'd have to be so dramatic and you'd have to be such a good actor or actress to actually pull that shit off. You know what I mean? Um, so I, it's like the subtle the subtle people are probably more likely to be like, oh yeah, and just say that they did and maybe run out the room, um, you know, to erase any evidence that they didn't or something. But that's why I also get a little weirded out sometimes. Not weirded out, just a little like uh, anxious when I'm with a partner who is not an expressive person in sex and who doesn't make that much noise or doesn't say that much or doesn't really physically react when they climax because I'm like always a little bit unsure you know I, I like reading the body cues and knowing you know whether or not what I'm doing is effective okay this is a scary example of where minds great minds think alike I have faked a couple of orgasms at one time I was caught uh, she just had this look on her face that she knew I did not come. But I don't know why I did that. I don't know why. It was like I I was getting soft in a way. And it was weird. I don't know. It, it doesn't happen that often. But, yes, I have faked a couple. Have females faked it on me? I wouldn't know. I, I want to say no, but I'm not. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Not really sure, but I would I would I would say maybe they have, but percentage wise, eighty percent of the time they haven't. We'll say that because I I don't even remember some of them females to be able to ask them to be real with you. Thanks for your call, Juan. So I mean I think the 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 motivation to fake comes from like the expectation that partners have and not wanting to disappoint those expectations. So I think, um, at least from a woman's perspective, the reason why we do it is because sometimes like the guy is just like waiting or trying and he's obviously just waiting for you to come, but then that mental pressure just makes it harder. And so you're like, well, I mean, the only way to, to, to let this happen without completely disappointing him or making him feel inadequate or ruining the whole moment is to just make him think that you did um it's it's not preferable because if you fake it then sometimes you're giving the wrong cue because then the guy thinks that something he did was right when in fact it was wrong but you know usually it's really not that black and white not that serious and maybe sometimes you're just like getting a little tired of it and you want it to end i mean unfortunately I can only imagine that the other way, the pressure is even greater because our culture emphasizes male versions of sex so much that it's all about the man coming. And it's like, if the man doesn't finish, then the sex isn't finished. And because we perpetuate that type of culture, if a guy kind of just loses his erection or just, you know, maybe just doesn't come in the end, it can be a huge issue. It can turn into an argument. Um, you know, the woman will feel some type of way because she'll be like, oh, so you can generally come, but for some reason I made you lose your erection. You know, all kinds of things, bad things can happen 
when a guy fall, you know, doesn't manage to achieve the climax that everyone expects them to. So I think it's natural to imagine that guys will fake it here and there. Um, and I don't necessarily blame them, but, and I can't, but I can't honestly say that I haven't been in the position where, um, a guy didn't finish and I was really upset about it. I couldn't help that I was upset about it and I knew that I should have just let it go, but you know, it bothers people. There's actually another funny phenomenon that is related to faking orgasms, but not exactly the same. And that is like dudes who think women are coming when they're not coming at all. And I know some ladies out there are going to know what I'm talking about. Like, have you ever talked to a guy who brags about, oh, I made her come like 15 times in one night? That man either... I mean, it's not that that's impossible, but people say it so much that you know for a fact that some of these dudes just have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Like, just because a girl gets extra wet or you feel some type of little movement in there, that doesn't mean she is having an orgasm. The only way you can know is if she tells you. So, um, I mean, I've had and I've had such a surprising number of guys come to me saying shit like this usually as some form of like redemption. So there was this one guy I went on like I think one date with and I didn't really like him, but he got very fixated on me and he was one of those guys that I've mentioned in the past where he was like, oh, he like loves Asian girls or whatever. So I was not feeling that. I was much, much younger back then though. So I hadn't like fully formed my opinion on that situation. All I knew was that he creeped me out and I wasn't interested. So he starts leaving me voicemails and telling me about the other Asian girls that he's pursuing presumably to make me feel bad like I was missing out or something like that and one of his messages was about some Japanese chick that he was dating that happened to live in my borough which was also creeped me out he's like oh yeah she lives really close to you so I'm there all the time by the way he says um I saw her the other night and I made her come 12 times he this was a voicemail that he left me this is back in the day when people didn't really text yet so I'm just like what? Who says this? Like, first of all, I don't believe this for one second. <laughs> you know what I mean? But second of all, that was like not necessary to tell me. And let's face it, you have no idea what a female orgasm is. There was another time, and I'll just stop at this example, where somebody that I did have sex with, um, the next day he was like, oh, that was so great. And I was like, yeah, it was pretty good. And he was like, I mean, you came like eight times. And I had to try so hard not to bust out laughing because I obviously didn't, but I wasn't trying to like burst his bubble either. I wasn't like in a relationship with this person, so I didn't feel the need to like give him a, a class about what that meant and what it didn't. So I just left it alone, but that shit was funny. Ooh, this is a good question. I have faked an orgasm before. Um, and way back in the past, though, like I refuse to fake orgasms now, like. If I'm having sex and it's terrible, I'm going to let you know right then and there. Like, this is not working. You should just stop. There's no point to fake it. For what? And honestly, women need to tell these dudes. Even though, you know, it's really a to each his own type thing. Because a dude could be terrible to me, but he could be the best penis ever to somebody else. But still, you should definitely let somebody know, like, no, nah, that's... That's not working because then they're going on fucking other people. And it's like, damn, nobody ever told you that your dick is trash. So, no, I'm not faking orgasms at all. What's up, girl? That is the right way to think about it. I think more women might be more inclined to let a guy know if 
she were to see it as a community service. Like if you let a man walk out your bedroom thinking he's the man, but he didn't put it down right, you're doing a disservice to the rest of your gender. Like think of all the women that are going to have to experience that shit because nobody ever taught him how to improve. So maybe giving him that little ego boost helps you in the moment, but just think about the greater good. You are absolutely correct about being able to tell physically if somebody climaxed or not. I think it's easy for a guy to tell, you know, if a woman climaxed because you have the you have those physical indicators like sometimes when the legs are shaking. I feel like a dude can tell. I feel like the vagina contracts when it's like uh, you know, during climax sometimes uh sometimes it's a mess. <laughs> That oh that would be a good topic. But yeah, and I hope and pray that a dude never faked an orgasm with me. That I don't know if that's ever happened and I hope it hasn't, but wow. How many guys fake it? How many guys fake it? Well, not all or- orgasms are created equal, I would say. I mean, there are women who are very expressive when they come. There are women who squirt, so obviously if you ejaculate it's obvious that you came but if you didn't then yes there are some contractions but if the guy's really not like so big that he's stretching you out i think a lot of guys don't feel it or if they're not deep enough um but you did you have talked on another uh day or another episode about preferring larger dick sizes so probably that's why a lot of the guys that you sleep with can feel it when you're coming but there are there are guys who are smaller who i mean it's not like it's not like there's no friction or anything, but for some reason, they're just less sensitive to it. Also, it depends on if the guy's using a condom because the condoms are really tight. And so that might limit his ability to feel those contractions around his penis. So for, for the women who don't like flip out when they're coming, as in their whole body doesn't completely convulse or they're not squirting or they don't convulse like uh, within the vagina, the vaginal canal so much that the guy can actually feel it. For those women, there's really no way of telling unless you ask her. So um, sometimes you do just have to ask. I personally am a person who appreciates the announcement of the orgasm, like for either side, because sometimes people can't tell or they want to be ready or just it's also just hot to know that a person is like on the edge of climax and that, you know, you guys feel so good that you're about to go over the edge like that's really hot to me so I don't mind it when somebody just says oh I'm about to come or I'm gonna come and I don't mind saying it myself but to your point Jasmine it's true there have been guys who will say afterwards like oh you know I mean I I do talk about sex with the men that I sleep with I talk about sex with everyone obviously and um there have been conversations where I'll ask a guy because I'm always curious like oh can you feel it when I come because some guys can and some guys can't and I've gotten um, answers that are like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I wasn't sure if that was when you came or not. And I mean, like you say, if you got to ask and you're not sure, it's probably because I didn't. And usually it is because I didn't. So you bring up a really good point with the phantom orgasm segments where you say um, guys think that they're making a the girl come. But really, you know, it's just like a movement or like you know some kind of gesture or she's like super wet or something but it doesn't really mean she's like you know coming but i could argue and say because you said that um the only way you can tell is if she tells you but if her body starts to shake out of control i think that's a clear sign i mean like i didn't like she doesn't have epilepsy so like 
if she's like shaking out of control, I think that's one way a guy can tell without like, you know, without being told. But I may be wrong because, you know, I, I haven't like Googled it or anything, so I don't know. But yeah, just tell me what you think about that. Hey, thank you for calling in and welcome to the station because I think you're new to it, right? So, um, yes, you're you're not wrong at all. Of course, there are women who, are, like I said, have very expressive orgasms. Their whole body is affected by it from head to toe. And yes, if she starts shaking uncontrollably, something's happening. But um, the thing is, not every woman has such strong orgasms or doesn't express it that way. Like she may be feeling all types of things inside and they're just things that aren't obvious to you just from looking at her or from even being inside of her. So that's what I mean by sometimes you really just got to ask. On the flip side, there's also the way men come is very different. Some men have very like violent orgasms where like their entire body like tenses up and they can't speak or move or 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 do anything and then there's some men where you're just like wait was that it like i can't tell if you finished or not so you know it's just everybody's body is different guys you're about to experience a little moment with me because i just got my first bumper for anchor i didn't even know what the hell that was until like a couple seconds ago or earlier today when I was listening to Dewan Station, and now I have my very own. Hi, I'm Dewan and Only, and you are currently listening to Insatiable, hosted by Lori of The Sex Reporter and that other guy who occasionally is on her station, Smiley. But we all know who really wears the pants in this relationship, and that is me. But enjoy listening to what she has to offer you today. Let me say this. It is absolutely unacceptable to not make your girl come. Absolutely unacceptable. If you can't make me come during sex, we're going to need to have a conversation about that. We're going to have to figure out what you need to do, what positions we need to do. I need to come. And if you just cannot make me come during sex, then you need to be giving me oral before, and I better be coming from that. It's just like, no. <laughs> I need to be coming, period. Jasmine has spoken. I hope everybody was listening and took notes because she does not accept the unacceptable. Um, yeah, I think that more of us could probably do with that attitude. That said, um, I actually don't. I don't feel the same way because um, as much as I do love to orgasm like anyone would, it's like one of the best feelings in the world, if not the best feeling in the world. Um, I don't come as easily as most people do. Um, I am not one of those people who can like come multiple times reliably in a set in a given session. And sometimes it's like, you know, somehow the situation just doesn't work out and I can enjoy the sex still without climaxing. And I do try to like explain that to my partners. Not everybody always understands, which is actually honestly really cool on the guy's part. Like when a guy's really concerned and he really wants to make it happen, I really appreciate that. But then it, sometimes it crosses the line into the guy like waiting for it to happen and getting desperate for it to happen. And that just gets me in my head. And I can't be in my head if I'm going to finish. Like I need to be completely lost in the moment into the physicality of, of what's happening. And that's not always possible every single time with every single person. So, you know, I don't have such 
high expectations, I guess, as you do, although my expectations are high. Like, I think the goal should be for me to come. And if we don't get there, it's okay. As long as we consistently do get there, you know, and once in a while it doesn't get there, it's fine. But if it's like consistently we never get there, then that's probably a problem. Not probably, that's definitely a problem. I will say too that it's okay if a guy starts it off, can't control himself, finishes first, and I didn't come, as long as he's ready to go again and finish me off after that, I appreciate that too. Just to chime in on what you said about um, like the way there's there's different ways guys mm-hmm. come to. Like you have the guy, when I used to watch porn a lot, I'm like, why do guys like, they're like, ah, ah, when they're coming. And I'm like, I never had that. Like I just come and this is be like, you know, I announce it. But I'm not like some, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You know, like, I just I just can't get down with that kind of stuff. Like, it ain't that deep. Like, I just tell you, like, like you just got the best vagina in the world. I mean, <laughs> but I'm not about to be over here turning Super Saiyan on some, you know, crazy stuff. So... With the Dragon Ball reference, though. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. I think... Well, porn is not a good example of real life. As much as I love porn, um, I've got lots of stuff to say on that. I think we might have even had a whole, if not a whole episode, then definitely a few segments on bad lessons learned from porn. But um, I would not rely on porn for my education on what everybody else is doing. That said, um, I think what you're describing is totally normal. And there's just complete, guys honestly vary so differently. And this is... um, when I talk about women, I obviously am talking from not my own experience, but from things that I read and hear and um, stories from friends and stuff like that. But when it comes to guys, I have all that combined with my own personal experience. And I've just seen a lot of different types of orgasms. And there's just, it's just different. There are those guys, like I said, who are very loud. There are guys who just sort of like get their whole body gets overtaken by the sensation. And then there are guys who are just like, okay, they're done. And they sort of just like, you know, collapse afterwards or whatever. There's just there's many different ways that guys finish. And it just depends on what you like and everything. Um, for me, it's like, I I would I love the expressive orgasm when it comes to men. Not that you should fake it if that's not how it moves you, but the most disturbing thing that I've witnessed before is like a man who barely has any reaction at all. You know, um it, I don't usually like to talk about my personal experience in detail, but there was like once this dude who was like he didn't make any sound and during or when he finished either and then afterwards he'd be like well that was great and he would just talk about how great the sex was and i'm like was it though like was it really great because you seem bored or something i don't know but that's just me i mean it's also that's also partially porn conditioning too which is why i think that a lot of things that we feel and we want and our preferences including my own are based on these like lessons that we learn from media and from the adult entertainment industry. Like the fact that I feel very unsatisfied if a man doesn't come and I've been with men who do not finish during sex and it's been like extremely, you know, it's, it's turned into fights because I just like can't understand that. I feel personally insulted by it because I've been made to feel like if I'm doing my quote unquote job correctly or if I'm pleasing him and doing my part, then he should come. But Sometimes that doesn't happen, which should be natural because sometimes that doesn't happen in the reverse, like with me. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing your perspective, and I hope you continue to listen and call in.
Insatiable, what's going on? Ray from the Raycast. Love your station. A lot of interesting topics being discussed here. And I'm not calling for any topic in particular, so I'll cover a couple of things. First, I do want to say that I'm all about that oral sex and foreplay life. So, yeah, I think it's important. And being an older guy and having been fortunate to have been with a lot of partners over the years, I think it's also important for us older guys to know our bodies, to know uh, what our uh, capabilities are. Of course, we have the experience, but we have to put that experience to good use, which I have. And as far as snap, stamina and endurance, no problems in that area because I run 15 to 20 miles a week, so I got that area covered. And the most important thing to me also is communications in the bedroom, to know what your partner likes and to discuss it, to do it, and to just enjoy each other in the bedroom. Hi, Ray. Thank you for calling in and talking about the topic from yesterday, which was all about, well, there were various topics yesterday, but oral sex did come up, foreplay did come up, and so did the issue of age and stamina. I think when it comes to stamina, what we don't often talk about is that in a lot of cases, not all, um, even if the, the sexual activity is pretty equal and the woman is also doing her part, there is a lot of strenuous physical activity for the man in terms of thrusting and everything else. And that requires physical stamina that's not just related to the penis or to his ability to stay erect. It's, it's also about his physical conditioning. So we were talking about age earlier. And, you know, it was mentioned that, you know, maybe when a man gets up there, like in his 40s and beyond, maybe he's just not able to hang that long. And I said at the time, I, I just don't think that's necessarily the case, because if a man takes care of his body, that it's not going to be so tiresome. And in terms of, I mean, in terms of holding off on the orgasm, that's something else entirely. But if you're going to be healthy, then you'll be in the best condition to do right by your sex partners. I want to also note here that when we were talking about age earlier, um, nobody really threw out a real age. But, you know, 40s, it's not old. At least I don't think so anymore. 40 is a new 30, right? At least that's what they say. And personally, you know, I, I can see that there is a lot of variance in terms of the condition that people are in and the physical health that they have when they reach 30, 35, 40. And it does vary a lot. I mean, there are men who are 30 years old and look like they're 50. And there are men who are like 45 and live the lifestyle that's even more active than most 25 year olds I know. So I, I wish people would stop blaming age for things, I guess is what I'm saying. But thank you, Ray, again for the call in. I think your point was a very necessary one to make. Conversation Hub Beta brought up memories um yeah i think every guy who watches porn we kind of emulate a little bit so <laughs> i remember there was a little while when i was going through the lexington steel phase <laughs> where i'm like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah yeah um it's always kind of funny when when the guys because they all have different styles on, in the porn and in which how they climax in their you know their gruntle sounds. So yeah, I definitely was going through that Lexington Steel phase, and I was trying to like, man, yeah, man, let me hold it for as long as I can so I can get the best shot. <laughs> and it, it actually kind of works. So see, it, it can educate you sometimes in the right way. In Lexington still, I can't, no, pause, no, pause, no pause, because that's, he's an icon. I am so glad that you guys are willing to uh, own up to your porn icons, I guess. 
the thing about bad lessons from porn is that um, in every woman's life, there comes a time when she's having sex with some guy and he does some weird shit that's like, it doesn't feel bad, but it doesn't feel good, but it's just weird. Like, where do you come up with this and why are we doing it at this angle? And almost always it's because he saw some shit in porn that was not meant for anything other than getting the ideal angle for uh, the camera to get the right angle of penetration when they're filming. Like, there's really no other reason for it. So it's like, who are we performing for exactly? Like, why exactly are you turning in this direction or that direction? And it's just like, oh, now I know. It's because you think porno is reality. If there's anybody out there listening who's young and male, if you do watch porn and you take cues from it, I would say focus on the porn videos that feature actresses who actually look like they're genuinely enjoying themselves. You could tell the difference. Like if she's in it, she's completely lost. Like you could tell that you're just watching some magic happen. And that's probably less than 10% of porn that's out there. Not to say the other stuff isn't good, but that stuff is, is gold because that's where you see she's enjoying herself. She's getting hers. He's getting his and everybody's into it. This is real sex. And that there might be something to learn from that. More often than not, though, is you have women who are just playing the role, doing what they, you know, the, the regular stuff that you would think they like, you know, getting slapped in the face with the dick and whatnot. Some people, some people like that. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, a lot of it is performative. My favorite porn actress, which I don't follow anymore because I basically will just use like the free streaming site. So I don't necessarily like follow individual people. But my favorite actress was this was this woman who was like, really loud almost obnoxiously loud to the point where i had to turn the sound off to watch her but she always enjoyed herself she made sure she got hers in every single almost every single one she did and when she didn't you would literally see her screaming at the guy like harder faster like she'd be coaching him to do the right thing you know um and sometimes unsuccessfully because some guys just don't take the cues or maybe you know i mean there's other factors at play they need to do many takes and i'm sure the guys like need to stay hard at any cost so it's not easy so there's all this other stuff at work but what I appreciated about her was that she always strived to make it an enjoyable experience for herself, which makes the whole thing more realistic, which makes it more pleasurable to watch and also probably better in terms of, you know, learning and emulating what you see. As for acting porn out, I don't see anything wrong with that. I actually think it can be kind of fun. Um, there are some people who hate who are porn haters and think that it's all bad. I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's it's cool. Um, it can be fun to watch porn together with your partner. You know, it can be fun to like sort of reenact some things that you saw that turned you on. It can be fun to make your own porno. But if you're going to be looking at stuff, I mean, one of the other things to pay attention to is the the appearance, like the, the pornography aesthetic um, and what people think they're supposed to look like in terms of coloring and size. We, we, we talked a little bit about dick size this week and vagina size, like all that, the shapes, sizes and colors and all that stuff. There is some sort of standard that I don't know how they were determined by the industry, which are also not realistic because they're not representative of what people actually look like and all that. So, I mean, take your lessons from porn, but maybe take them with a grain of salt. That's all I'm saying. I have a separate little question that I'm asking for a friend. If you are not a smoker, would you date a smoker if they were not willing to quit? And if you are a smoker, would you ever quit for a person that you're in a relationship with? I think the answer for the first part, like if you're not a smoker, would probably, I mean, if you're against smoking, you'd probably just say no. But 
think about it this way instead. Think about um, the person that you've liked most in your life, uh, a person that you click with more than anybody else. If you felt that way about that person, but discovered that that specific person was a smoker and was not planning on quitting, how would you deal with it? Would you walk away or would you compromise and just overlook it? Um, I ask because, you know, it's one of those things where it's not just about respecting another person's opinion and their preference, but this potentially has an impact on your life because you have to be around the smell and you have to um, fund the budget for the cigarettes and all that stuff. So uh, it is a significant lifestyle change in some ways, but maybe not significant enough to counterbalance the possibility of love. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Happy Friday, Insatiable. I'm calling in response to your question of the day about faking orgasms. So um, with my ex-fiance for seven and a half years, um, he was a stallion. And it's not to promote the motherfucker, but he was definitely a stallion and he wanted it every single day, at least three to four times a day. And for me, um, I couldn't take that much dick <laughs> in that day, being that he was a stallion. And I let, you know, in the beginning, I let him know that it was a surprise to me. Um... And yeah, there's a pain there. You know, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, pleasure, pain. But at the end of the day, I had to fake the orgasms a little bit early. That way he can come faster. Um, other than that, I know that um, men who are stallions, they only have, I mean, I'm not just say all, but the only thing that he brought to the table was a big dick and a headache. Like, I'd rather just fuck with somebody who's average and curved and got meat around a dick. Hello? Thank you so much for that honest and real call in. I love every time somebody calls in with a story that dispels assumptions and myths that proliferate, you know, so people can understand like the reality of the situation. Being a stallion can be a blessing and a curse. I mean, it's real hot when you're only spending a weekend with the guy, but if you're gonna be there like seven years straight of like three, four times a day sex, that's crazy. <laughs> Who can keep up with that? Who even has time for that after work and shit? Um, I, I was with someone similar. It wasn't that frequent, but you know, basically the one guy I've ever been with, I, I actually had a relationship with him and he was the only person that I ever felt had a sexual appetite that surpassed mine consistently. Like even many, many years in, I was like, oh, okay, I see, you know, like he's not just keeping up with me. He's a little bit like too much sometimes. And I did not ever have to fake it with him, but I did have to like get real with him sometimes and be like, listen, sometimes I'm just like not gonna come and it's okay. So you don't need to like prolong it. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. And whatever, we figured we figured each other out and it was a great relationship. Um, but yes, thank you for sharing. And, uh, guys out there who don't have like the biggest dicks ever but somehow you know you got the curve or whatever you know that there's a market out there for you so don't ever just think that size is the only thing that matters oh my god i almost let the entire day go by and you almost had 24 hours with no you know no reggie on the dial well reggie's have to be on the call-ins so this is what i gotta say in the question of the day have i ever faked an orgasm yeah i have um and it's not because you know the woman i was with was terrible she was great. She was fine. Just the situation merited it. Um, I, may, I don't know. With different people a couple times. Why? Because, uh, you know, like usually it's like I got stuff to do. Right? Sometimes it was, you know, it was a couple minutes before you got to, you know, break out and go to work. So what do you do? Stick around for a while until, until everybody's the maximum happy? Or you just, like, kind of stop at everybody's happy enough, get to work, and still get to be able to pay your rent? Um, that's... Because, you, you know, that's what it came to.
Um, that, well, that's what I got. You do the thing. Reggie, thank you. I was getting a little worried there, so thanks for not dropping the ball and making sure to call in. And I'm glad now I have, um, we have two documented cases officially of men who do fake it or have faked it in the past. I'm curious in your situation, like I get why you needed to stop, right? But why fake it instead of just stopping? Is it, I mean, I have my guesses as to why, but can you explain that a little bit? Hey guys, so a random housekeeping note. Since I'm like not that savvy on anchor but i'm also trying to figure out how to best integrate it with the main podcast which is actually on soundcloud or itunes or google play however you choose to listen um i'm going to start recording this in a more structured way so that things begin and end in a way that makes sense and the way that i run call-ins i'm going to do you know an appropriate introduction or response Um, as it makes sense logically like as if someone were listening to it as a narrative throughout the entire day and that's because I'm going to publish my anchor daily episodes as a sort of backstage alternative um, to the main podcast so if you do go on iTunes um, and I'm not sure how exactly it'll work in iTunes but if you go into basically the podcast uh, search engine you should be able to find in uh, insatiable the podcast that's the main podcast that smiley and i do every single week and that which also features a lot of your call-ins and then also something called insatiable backstage which is which is essentially our awesome conversations because i mean in my opinion they're just so thought-provoking and you guys are so great and i can't always fit every call-in into the main podcast because we try to keep it fairly short But I don't want it to be lost to oblivion and I want people to be able to listen to that because I feel like we have conversations that are really relevant to people and might help people who are wondering about the same questions that we do. What that means for anybody that calls in is, of course, please just continue doing what you do. I love what you guys do, but you might notice that some call-ins don't necessarily get published, like the thank you call-ins, which I'm, I'm very grateful, honestly, that you guys took the time to visit my station um, and notice that I've visited yours and that's awesome and I love the community aspect of Anchor but ultimately I'm thinking for the audience and publishing what I feel is going to keep people engaged or interested so I'll just consider some of those things like you know private messages or thank yous or greetings and stuff like that. You might also notice that here and there colons will be uh, trimmed down not like majorly to change the content but mostly because if there's like a a long segment of intro or something that might cut the pace of of the podcast in total i'll just cut that part out consider that a sort of private message as well and just play the relevant parts that people will want to listen to this is overall just to make the whole thing flow a little bit better if that makes any sense and i hope you guys understand and uh for those of you who are new thank you so much for listening to my station and i look forward to hearing from you so in case anyone was wondering i recorded an earlier segment asking for a friend about whether you should date a smoker if you're not into smoking or if you are a smoker if you should break the habit for the person you're dating um i'll tell you what i ended up telling my friend and i don't know if he's going to take my advice but essentially you know i think it if you really do like a person and you're in those initial stages of dating and smoking is like one of your it just bothers you (sighs) some people might argue that it's smarter to just cut it off early because you know that it's not going to work. But I tend to disagree because I feel like we're not willing to make exceptions until we are. Um, 
actually a very wise friend said this to me recently because she always vowed or was convinced that she would never date a guy who was younger than her because she felt they were just not mature enough, not at the right place in life or whatever her reasoning was. And she she insisted on this for most of her adulthood, then ended up meeting a guy who was younger than her and falling in love and getting married. And they have like the cutest family now and the best life. So she says, basically, you know what? It was a deal breaker until it wasn't. And I'm not saying smoking is the same thing as a difference in age, but it is one of those things where, you know, people can change their behavior. I know so many people who used to smoke and don't smoke anymore. I I still know people that do smoke. Um, Those people are pretty stubborn and I don't even really envision those people ever quitting. But who knows, right? I mean, technology is improving. Vaping may become... um, cool at some point cool enough that it could actually replace real cigarettes um or maybe these people will just wake up to the fact that they're destroying their health so i mean i I, i'm a little lax about this also because i grew up in a smoking culture i never smoked myself but everyone around me basically did my dad did my ex-boyfriends did um you know i i I hated it but i put up with it i fought with them about it but ultimately it wasn't going to make me stop loving someone and I guess that's my point. I mean, this guy, this this friend of mine, he you know, really likes this girl. He doesn't often meet girls that he really likes. And he's considering throwing it all away because he's not into the smoking habit. And hey, I get it. Um, but I just feel like it's too early to make a call. I mean, you can't exactly ask a person to stop smoking for you if you've been on like three dates with them. But you don't because you don't even know if you like them and they definitely don't know if they like you yet so they're obviously not going to change their entire lifestyle on your behalf but if you give it a little time and if you guys actually do have some amazing connection and you give it that chance since those amazing connections are so rare you might find that you're both willing to make some concessions you never know maybe i'm just a hopeless romantic but i actually think it's worth it Unless, of course, you fall in love like every other day, then, you know, whatever, just on to the next one. But most of us don't. And so when you do find that connection, I don't know that a bad habit is enough to to chuck it on. And then I stay contradicting myself because all that said, I am not the kind of person that believes in changing someone or, you know, I don't think that you should get into a relationship hoping that someone's going to bend to your will. So for me, it's more that if he waits long enough, I feel like he can then definitively decide if it's worth it to stay with a smoker or not. I I don't think he should really try that hard to force her to change her habits. I think she's going to want to have to do that herself. But I, I just think, you know, sometimes we surprise ourselves in terms of what we're willing to put up with when it comes to, you know, having a life partner. I don't know what has gotten into me, but I feel so chatty today, more chatty than usual. You know, I I love Anchor, but I just feel like I've been way more active this week and partially because you guys have been sending awesome call-ins. So I'm like feeling the love and I'm just chilling right now. So I have this random thought. Um, I, I, I'm a person who approaches dating with no rules in mind. I don't have like a list of criteria, things that I want in a man. I mean, once upon a time, like coming out of my early relationships, I thought I I knew myself so well. I was like, well, this guy was bad in these ways. So I'm definitely not going to date a guy like this. And I definitely want a guy like this. And eventually I sort of met more people, had more relationships and just realized that you never really know what you're going to want tomorrow. You never really know what's good for you until you're in it. So I I tend to approach things with a more open mind now. But uh, that said, when I look backward, it's really 
much easier to then see patterns. So in hindsight, I, I recognize that, oh, you know, these type of guys don't really turn me on. These type of guys do. And what I'm realizing is that there are certain attributes that, attributes that definitely link the men who really stand out to me. And they're not what I thought. Now, I'm going to tell you some of the things that I'm discovering about myself, but I would love to hear you guys also let me know, you know, studying your history, not what you think you want, but looking back at the patterns of who you end up with and who you can't get enough of. What is it about them that draws you to them? Let me know. For me, it's like guys who are about shit. And when I say that, I mean guys who just have some kind of passion in life. It doesn't have to be the same passion as mine. Sometimes it's even better when it's not exactly the same passion as mine. I mean, something obviously that I can somewhat relate to. But I mean, if a guy has something to do, his own stuff to do, and he's independent, um, and he's not basically like looking for an activity partner to like liven his life up because he's got nothing else to do. I think that's it's so sexy. It's so sexy to see a man who's like just going about like his business and, and running shit and doing things that he needs to do. And he's got goals and he's working toward them. Um, and he just doesn't, I mean, doesn't really have a lot of free time, if that makes sense. Of course, it makes it even better when a guy like that, who doesn't seem to have a lot of free time because he's got so many things going on, then have, like, then make the free time for me. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but it's like, you're, you, I, I already feel connected to a person who is as busy as me. And then I feel even more connected to a person who feels that mutual connection so much that they're willing to make time in their busy schedule for me. And it's like, wow, it's just it's just great to to really be on the same page with somebody like that. And that is very rare, honestly. It's also so great to be with guys or to meet guys who are as much about family as I am. I mean, I devote a lot of my personal time to family. I don't I don't socialize as much as I used to because between running my website, my full-time job, um, and everything else, I don't have that much personal time. And when I do have that, it's mostly devoted to my family. Like I always spend at least one full day or at least a half of a full weekend day with them, including my brother, my mother, my grandparents. They're the reason why I moved back to New York. They are the reason why I am who I am today. And like, I would be nothing without them. So I mean, they, they trump everyone. You know what I'm saying? So to meet a man who understands that and understands that I need to go to my family every week and a man who also treasures his own family, I love that shit too. It is it's so cute. And I actually have met guys in the past that I didn't even end up with. But, you know, one of the things that I love most about them was their relationship with their family. And then when I met their family, I loved their family as much as I love them or sometimes even more in a couple cases. Um so those are two things that are that are really huge for me. They those are things that now that I look back on myself make me overlook the stuff that I thought I hated about guys or that I thought I wasn't into about guys. Like I've met a guy where I'll be like, "Oh, he's okay. I guess he's not really my type, but I he's kind of fun or whatever." But then I find this stuff out and I'm like, "Ooh, I like I feel like we're on the same wavelength. We're cool." You know what I'm saying? And that's like always a a joy to discover. And I guess the last thing is just when a guy's energy level can match mine in terms of like being spontaneous and just being down for everything, being down for shit, like always, I, I don't know, I, I attribute this to me being a Gemini, but I know it's not just Geminis. I just, I always need to be working on something at full speed and it could be something different every day, but you got to be able to keep up with me. And when a guy can do that, that is sexy as hell. 
Next up, Reggie is back to explain why he faked his orgasm. <laughs> Alright, let's see if I can be succinct on this one. Alright, so I, it was more than 10 years ago. I had a couple of jobs at that time. You know, none of them paid super well or else I wouldn't have a couple of jobs. And I, you know, we, were, we had enough time for regular sex, like an hour or whatever. Uh, so I had to clock in and I looked out the window real quick and I realized that, oh my God, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's coming down. It's crazy out there. So I was like, oh man, I still didn't wipe off my car from the last day. Um, so I thought real quick, I got a few things I got to balance right now. Got to scrape off the car from the day before, make sure I don't crash on my way to work today. Make sure that I accommodate for the commute time, clean up, looking like a, like a human being. And also general policy of ladies come first. And uh, yeah, so once general policy is, is you know, kept, you fake it and you keep going. It's way better than explaining, hey, I think that I might be cutting it real close to showing up, you know, 15, 20 minutes late to work. It's, you know, and it's, everybody's happier at that point. It's not like anybody did a bad job and it's not at all scandalous. So that's the story about how somebody can fake an orgasm and everybody still is happier in the end. All right. Okay, so we're learning a couple things about you. One is that you're very much a gentleman, which is very nice. Two is that you are so responsible to the point where when you're in the middle of your throes of passion, you think about clearing your car off to go to work. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe both. It's funny, though, because you're probably right to keep the peace. Um, I was in one of my long-term relationships. I was, you know, we had these weird conflicting work schedules where sometimes like I'd be home and free and then he'd be rushing out to go to a meeting or vice versa. And so, and I'm just the type of person where like nothing gets in the way of my job, but sometimes when I'm, when the moment arises, I'm just like, come on, let's get it in real quick. Like I'm ready for that quickie. And my ex was just, he used, it used to infuriate him. He'd be like, I'm about to go work. You need to like lay off of me. And this was an ex who I mentioned him in another story before. He was, um, his sex drive was as strong as mine, but he had that sensibility to be like, no, because if we start this now, we're going to do this, this and that. And then we're both going to want to sleep and it's just not going to work. And he was right. He was being responsible, but I just wanted to be reckless and carefree and to get mine, <laughs> I guess, selfishly. Um, so, you know, I, I get it. I guess if he had faked it, or, you know, done something and sort of faked it or whatever, maybe it would have been less of a fight around that situation. But I am grateful that he didn't because ultimately I'd, I would, I would feel so hurt <laughs> if I knew that I thought a guy had come and he didn't. I think I'd feel really bad about that. So I don't know. I mean, I think there are also ways to make it sexy. Like if you need to cut out, instead of faking it, just be like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I can't take this, but I, I really have to go and just save it. Like just, just keep that thought in your head. Remember this moment because I'm going to be back and we're going to finish this. That shit would be so sexy too. So I don't know. I mean, there are ways to do it without faking, but hey. If you got to fake it sometimes, like, who am I to judge? It's like I was there and I could, you know, fully understand the situation. Um, but thank you for sharing, because I think it's enlightening for women to know that there are men who, in fact, fake it. And that it's probably even harder for us to detect um, than it is for them to detect when we fake it.